Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Seeing Red. It's the season finale. And we are so grateful that you have been with us on this amazing journey. We've had the best fun, haven't we? We have, yeah. I can't believe we've... We always intended to do it in seasons Mm -hmm. and um, for them to be around about 25 episodes. So I can't believe we've completed a whole season. I can't believe we've got to episode 25. And there I was at the beginning thinking, oh, will we even managed to produce the first episode it's so amazing it's weird in many ways because episode one feels like so long ago mm-hmm. yet equally it doesn't it was only august yeah it was like five months ago yeah thank you everybody who's been listening to us all the way through and also to our new listeners not going to forget you thank you for joining us i just hope that they haven't joined us on the season fi- well if you have you've got loads to go back and i would to. prefer someone joins on the season finale <laughs> in episode one because oh don't oh i, I mean mm. we we recorded on your phone we didn't edit oh my god the shows i edited it on my phone on an editing app it was terrible it was like, a great it was, case it was great. really interesting case you'd written a great case. script but... and and actually listening back considering it was in a store cupboard at our old work on our lunch breaks over like a course God, of a week. God, that's awful, isn't it? I'm glad I'm no phone. longer employed by them. Honestly, um, yeah, I think it's just amazing. It was done I'm, in our I'm lunch really break, happy. I hasten to add. Yeah. I did say you that. Did say that. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. You, you know, considering we didn't know what the hell we were doing, mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad. No. But I hope that we've got better and better yeah. as time's gone on. And I really hope if people are listening to us for the first time, they listen to one of our more recent Definitely. episodes. And I would say we by no means there no we, it's a real journey isn't it it's such mm-hmm. a cliche but we've been on a real journey over the last five oh, months we've learned so much and um and also all the different podcasters that have helped us given us hints and tips from their experiences and then they've been able to help us out which is really really nice absolutely yeah we've had support from so many people mm-hmm. in the community and it really is a community out there really we, we it talk cheesy, doesn't it does it? sound <laughs> cheesy but we talk with each other quite often mm-hmm. um and we support each other's shows we're, we're actually hoping to do some collaborations, aren't we, again? Yeah, we've got some new collaborations in the pipeline for 2019, which is so exciting because I loved doing the collaboration episodes. It's just great chatting to different people. And we've been really fortunate so far that we've been able to collaborate with shows that we loved already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to do that again in 2019. Mm-hmm. I think we would only do that, wouldn't we? I think it would be weird if we did it with a show that we didn't already listen to. At least one of us, if not both of us, yeah. weren't already fans of. I think that would be a bit odd i think it would be difficult then to have that rapport with the people that's true yeah the people that we've collaborated with we've already had that relationship mm, so yeah. it's worked really well so is there anything else you want to say to our listeners or shall i crack on no let's crack on with the season finale so i'm going to be telling you all about the life and crimes of charles arthur charlie salvador he was born michael gordon peterson but he's more commonly known as charles bronson oh mm-hmm. Charles Bronson is Britain's most notorious prisoner, having spent over 40 years of his life in prison. He's consistently just a violent person. Prisons have refused to house him or they've regretted taking him in shortly after his arrival. In his time in prison, he's attacked more than 20 prison guards. He's attacked countless prisoners. He's taken 11 hostages and he has caused more than half a million pounds worth of damage. In one of his own books, a quote really sums him up. He said... I fear no one. Violence just makes me madder and stronger. Has he written a book? He's written loads of books, Mark. I didn't see. I obviously I know the name. I know of him, mm. but I don't even know what crime he committed to end up in prison for. Yeah. I know that he's kind of been worse since he's been in yeah, prison. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the hilarious part of well, not hilarious, but that is the interesting part. No, no, of it him. is hilarious. It is hilarious, actually. I not for the eleven hostages. I do actually quite. I quite like him. I'd go nowhere near him. He terrifies. What do you me. fancy him? I don't fancy him. You do. I really don't honestly but i i do quite like the whole thing of him as well, a person. i suppose even though he's a bad person he's still going to be quite charismatic mm-hmm. in a way it's just channeled in the wrong direction mm-hmm. yeah steph um our patron supporter was recently telling me about how she'd gone to a museum in torquay it's called the real crime museum we need to go on wow. a day trip to the seaside and go to this place why have now. we never heard of that place i know before. it looks amazing and there was an entire section dedicated to charles bronson she said it was really really interesting so i did send her a message and asked her to give me a bit more information to share with our listeners and to share with you great so this is what she told me to tell you all 
It was a bit odd as the whole place was in a converted pub slash club slash bar sort of place. So only one half the cellar bit was the museum. It did smell damp and musty and pretty much how you actually would feel like a prison might smell. As you walk in, um, on the wall there's a list with pictures of Britain's top 10 current most wanted criminals and a blurb of their crime or crimes. There are various exhibits ranging from original vintage fingerprint sets and handcuffs. There are some other big crime exhibits too. So talking specifically about the Charles Bronson um, section of the museum, there is his wedding suit and his bride's wedding dress with news articles and I believe pictures were not allowed, which is something I'm going to talk about um, later on in the episode. So there was news articles about this, but no photos. I can't remember if it was a replica or the exact clothing, she said. There are lots of his drawings and diaries that all talk about current events at the time, his opinions on them, etc. And then there is another exhibit section of news articles and an interview from this morning with the owner of the museum, who is actually Charles Bronson's long-lost son. Oh my God, how weird. I know. There's a duplicate cell from the prison. Now, she can't 100% remember if it was Charles Bronson's or someone else's, but it has the actual bunk bed and mattresses in the actual stainless steel toilet with a sink attached where the system would usually be and the actual door but the lock's been cut off for quite obvious reasons so nobody could ever try and copy the lock or make a key to get out of a prison cell. And all that's from his cell? Yeah. Wow. So what's really interesting about this case is just how many crimes were committed by this one man and how many moves between prisons took place. And to make this episode a little bit different, I thought I would give you a bit of a challenge. So how many times do you think he was put into a new prison? So this could be after a crime outside of jail or being moved due to a jail time crime. Um, I would say... I'm going to say 20 times. Okay. I really wanted to get like a bell and just ding it every single time I got to one of these. We so, used to have a bell at work. I know. Remember, I used to ring it when I wanted you to do me a drink. Yeah, that was um, a lovely time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> HR had to get involved with that, didn't they? So I don't know of your editing skills because your jingle bells were incredible. If you could do a bell ding each time I do oh, a new number. Oh, fuck's sake. More work for me. More work for you. If you can't, it's not the end I think of the I can probably get a bell, yeah. I mean, if you can, it would be awesome. If not, don't worry. So I'm going to do a brief overview of as many of the crimes as I could possibly fit into one episode. And a couple of the crimes then, or a couple of the things that went on, I'll look into a little bit more detail. So born on the 6th of December 1952 in Luton, Bedfordshire, Michael Gordon Peterson was a mild-mannered young boy who's been described as a lovely lad. He's also been described as bright and good with children. Apparently he was gentle and mild-mannered, never a bully. He would defend the weak, how things changed. Mm. When he was a teenager, his family moved to Ellsmillport in Cheshire, where he started getting into trouble. And by the age of 13, he was part of a gang. The gang consisted of four young guys who would go out stealing. And Michael was reprimanded in juvenile court after he was caught stealing. He also enjoyed fighting. And he didn't really care much for school, so he skipped class quite often. Soon he returned to Luton, and this is where he's always called his hometown. He got his first job at Tesco's, but it only lasted two weeks because he got dismissed for attacking his manager. After this, he really didn't keep a job for very long. He had a number of factory jobs, he worked as a hod carrier and as a furniture remover. He continued to enjoy fighting, and often on nights out he'd get involved in fights. He also worked as a circus strongman. Uh, I can picture him Mm -hmm. doing that. So the first real trouble that Michael got into was when he stole a lorry and crashed it into a car. He ran back to his parents' house, which was 90 miles away, but the police caught up with him and he was really lucky because the driver of the car survived the collision and he was only given fines and probation. He got another chance when a judge was kind to him after a smash and grab raid aged 19 and this judge gave him a suspended sentence. So he's had a lot of chances. He's attacked his manager, all sorts. What I want to know though is what, so he moved from Luton to Ellesmere Port. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's enough to make anybody turn to crime, but <laughs> what, what happened at that point? He'd was, gone from a mild-mannered child yeah, to he this, got this Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah he he must be then. Easily influenced. I think as well, it's never been specifically proven. He's never had any medical professionals confirmed, but he has, in my opinion, definitely got some mental health issues. So I wonder if, as he got into puberty or he hit his teenage years, that those mental health 
issues. Yeah, when your hormones are changing, it can, mm. I suppose, cause more of an imbalance yeah. in the brain. Yeah, it's a good I point. I think so. I think you should become a doctor. I think you are a doctor. <laughs> it's just because I got Just style opinions. yourself as yeah. doctor. I'll just pretend, Dr. Betham. So... Ding, 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 number one, first bell. I don't know, first sort of jail time. We'll see what I can get, yeah. So after he smashed some parked cars, following an argument with his girlfriend's dad, he was imprisoned for the first time at Risney, where he served time on remand for criminal damage. After he'd served time on remand, however, he was fined and given probation. So he wasn't in prison for very long at that point, but it still counts to me. Yeah. So next, in 1974, aged just 22, he was convicted of armed robbery and he tried to get away with £26. So I did do one of those calculator things and that works out as just under £300 in today's money. I'm surprised it's that much, but even so, that's pitiful, isn't it? I know. For committing armed robbery, you want to get tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. So at this point then, he actually was sentenced and he was sentenced to seven years imprisonment and he was sent to Walton Jail. So that's three out of them. So he's kind of moved around. This is the third place. So he ended up on the punishment block after he attacked two prisoners without provocation. And in 1975, he was transferred to Hull. So after refusing to work, Michael smashed up a workshop after an altercation with a prison officer and he was sent to the punishment block again. And there he was injected with a sedative and six months were added to his sentence. I didn't know if that counted as another, but I decided it was. So that's four. Mm. How do you feel about your guess of 20 now, Mark? Well, I don't know. (laughs) So after recovering, he continued to be really challenging as an inmate and he was repeatedly put into solitary confinement. He attacked fellow prisoner John Henry Gallagher with a glass jug and he was charged with grievous bodily harm. The charges were reduced down to unlawful wounding and he was convicted. Nine months were added to his sentence and he was transferred to Armley Jail, which now is number six of being moved around. His reputation as a violent and highly dangerous inmate preceded him and his behaviour just didn't improve. During 1975 to 1977, he was switched between Armley, Wakefield, Parkhurst and Walton prisons. So that's four more. I've got to do to four ten. dings. Just do just one, just do one okay. ding and I'll say ten. <laughs> Bronson was taken from Yorkshire to London and on the journey he had to actually be chained to the floor of the prison van because he could have attacked the guards. He was so often kept in solitary confinement because he just kept attacking other prisoners and he would always damage prison property. And also he wasn't just attacking people, he quite often got beatings in return, either from other prisoners because he'd attacked them or most likely as well was from the guards because they had to get control of the situation. And that that was quite common back then, wasn't it? That the Mm. guards would use force and violence in order to try and get behaviour from the inmates. But I think... I don't know, it's like when I picture Charles Bronson, I have this um, mental image of literally like a wild caged animal Mm -hmm. that it just doesn't sit with him, this being locked up, and there's no way that he can behave and serve his prison sentence and get let out. Mm -hmm. He just cannot cope with being in prison. Yeah, absolutely. At one point, he even tried to poison the prisoner that was in the cell next to him. With what? How would he get a hold of poison? I'm not really sure. He probably grew like bacteria and (laughs) cultured it from some kind of rancid food that he'd kept. See, now you're just guessing because I don't know. Yeah, but it could be. It could be. I'll find out. But it could just be anything, couldn't it, that you'd manage to like... Yeah, but in a prison, you shouldn't really be able to get a hold of any poison. But then also, where did he get the glass like jug from to stab mm. someone I've, so. seen, I've seen prison dramas mm. they have beakers yeah okay well he had a glass one and yeah. he stabbed someone he was moved to Parkhurst in 1976 and this was a psychiatric facility and this was where he met and began his friendship with the Cray twins he's described them as the best two guys I've ever met <laughs> says it all really, I know. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he moved back to Wadsworth um, so we're up to 12 now because he threatened to kill a prison officer And next he was sent to isolation for trying to dig his way out of his cell. He was only caught because another inmate knew about the plan. And then when he got out, he went and attacked the other prisoner and scarred him for life for, like, dogging him up. I was going to kind of say that's fair until you said the scarred for life bit. But I'd be mightily pissed off if I'd spent hours digging a tunnel and I was nearly out. Yeah. Yeah. And then some dickhead goes and grasses me up. Yeah, and tells the prison officer. The Wandsworth governor actually just didn't want him in his facility anymore, so back to Parkhurst he went, so that's 13. When he got back to the facility on the Isle of Wight, he attacked a prisoner with a jam jar. Again, he was charged with grievous bodily harm, and this, combined with his attempted suicide and an attack on a prison officer, meant that he was then sectioned under the Mental Health Act, 
and 14, he was moved to Broadmoor in 1978. This is the most secure facility for people who are criminally insane in the UK, but although he was violent and he admitted he was, Bronson didn't see himself as insane. He since said that he was badly mistreated, he was forcibly injected with antipsychotic medication, but this actually left him with like muscle spasms that were in agony, and he was regularly beaten up by prison staff. But that's enough about Jimmy Savile. <laughs> so he used to roam Broadmoor yeah. in the Keys and mm-hmm. everything, yeah. So he did do a rooftop protest, staying up there for like nearly a week before he was talked down by his brother. And then when he came down, he was severely beaten as his punishment. In this occasion, he caused £750,000 worth of damage in the incident. Whoa. And then he did get back onto the roof another two times. (laughs) A quote from Bronson. I've been on more roofs than Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. It's things like that that I do. I do He's got really a sense like of humour, yeah. So, 15, ding, ding, ding. He was soon transferred to Rampton Secure Hospital. But he really struggled with having to adapt to having medication forced on him. And living with such a highly disturbed and dangerous inmate. He next attempted to strangle a child sex murderer called John White but he was stopped just before the other guy died and he got sent back to Broadmoor. 16. He was so happy to be back with his friend, Ronnie Cray. He's described Ronnie as living the life of luxury in Broadmoor with loads of nice food and plenty of cigarettes. And he was so pleased not to be in the psychiatric ward any longer. He said of the inmates, quote, I witnessed them running into walls, using their heads as rams. I've seen them fall unconscious doing this. They stabbed themselves with pens, needles, scissors. One even blinded himself in one eye, and the other tore out his own testicle. There was one who just kept trying to eat himself, biting his arms, legs, and feet. Isn't that horrific to mm. be so mentally ill that you feel that's a normal behaviour, yeah. or that you have to do that to yourself? Yeah, exactly, and that they're not clearly not getting the help that they yeah, need. Yeah, I mean they they should not mean, be doing that. You know, when Charles Bronson said he was um, forcibly injected anti- mm-hmm. antipsychotic medication, that that's not really forcibly against his will because he would have been detained there under the yeah. Mental Health Act, and they were doing the right thing to try and control him. Mm-hmm. So that really should have been the case for those other people. Yeah, and he said about with the Cray twins that they had, like, this life of luxury. And at one point, they had, like, smoked salmon and stuff in, and he was like, it was really fancy. They had, like, a buffet in their cell. So it's kind of that, like... I do quite enjoy all of those I do stories love a about, good like, the... I, I love a good we buffet. We love a buffet. I love a smoked salmon as well. Yeah. After Christmas, um, on my Ocado delivery, they had smoked salmon for half price, so I got, like, a really fancy one. And Ocado. Where'd you get your shopping from? Asta. Nah. <laughs> Anyway, let's not judge people on their shopping, because we're not like that, are we, Mark? Bronson continued to attempt to kill other prisoners. For example, at one point, he tried to strangle a guy called Gordon Robinson to death. And then following the failure of killing the other guy, he became really depressed and really, like, sort of down again. And he was quite upset by the fact that he didn't manage to kill him. What a freak. Luckily, his good friend, Ronnie Cray arranged a visit from a boxer called Terry Downs. And Terry Downs had actually told Bronson he could be a champion, and the Cray twins backed him in this. But obviously, because he was in prison, he didn't get the chance. Um, But it was really nice for him to have one of his idols come and visit him. Isn't that lovely? Mm. So in 1982, he decided to do a rooftop protest again, climbing onto the roof and making a commotion, ripping off roof tiles. And then he climbed up again, and this time it was causing £250,000 worth of damage in three days that he was up there. They only managed to get him down again by family coming in and talking to him. He was demanding a prison transfer, and then he started a hunger strike, which lasted 18 days. So then he did get granted his transfer to Ashworth Hospital in June 1984, so we're up to 17. Generally, psychiatrists discussed psychopathy and schizophrenia in relation to sort of what was going on with him and his behaviour but none of them could kind of decide on anything of what he was suffering from and actually even if he was suffering from anything wow yeah so he could have just been pretty normal but just a violent guy and a quote from Bronson is I'd been certified mad because of my violence I was still violent and now they were certifying me sane where's the sanity in that isn't the system just as crazy And this really reminded me of our episode on John Stratham back in episode three, I think it was. 
it's like he's saying he's insane, he's saying he's insane, whatever suits their needs at the time. Mm, yeah. Really interesting how, like, they were quite similar, but very different. Both historic. Both historic and similar sort of times, just a, only a couple of decades mm. apart. And weird, and yeah, both covered Broadmoor, mm-hmm. some of these other facilities. Yeah, and I found that so interesting, researching about Broadmoor and Yeah, that alarm, system. do you remember that yeah. alarm system? I don't know why, that was just so interesting. Yeah. yeah, it really blew my mind. And they still um, set it off every week to test it. To test it, yeah. And as I've, I haven't seen anything in the news yet that they've changed it to Twitter, thankfully, because that was one of the things they were thinking yes, about. Yes, they were, I remember. Ridiculous, I'm glad they No, they, they can't do that. Um, so here, Bronson actually settled in quite well, and he really liked the regime at Ashworth Hospital. He started to take up art, and actually was really good at expressing himself with art. Over time, so like from then until now, he's received more prison awards than any other inmate for his poems, prose, and cartoons. So he, he's a pretty artistic guy. However happy or settled he was, it wasn't long before he got into trouble again. He used a sauce bottle to stab a patient who'd made sexual advances towards him. We're back to normal. As you do. So, 18. In 1985, he was returned to general prison population at Risley, but then he punched a prisoner and was put in solitary. 19. He pleaded guilty to grievous bodily harm for the attack on the guy called Mervyn Hawley who had made sexual advances on him. So three years were added to his sentence. And 20 later in the year, he was returned to Walton. But then he went back to his usual tricks and started another rooftop protest, causing £100,000 worth of damage. And then authorities added another year to his sentence. So back and forth again, went out to number 22 when he was moved to Albany. On his first day in general population, he punched another convict. So he was moved to Wormwood Scrubs, 23. And two weeks later, he was moved to Wandsworth. 24. So we're already up to 24 different prison moves. And this is like the early 80s? Yeah. And he's still in prison now, still isn't in prison. he? Yeah. He is. So in the year of 1986, he was transferred eight times, taking us up hell. to number 32. I'm not going to make you do that many bells. You can do one if you do bells. During one particularly violent episode, he strangled the governor of Wormwood Scrubs. <gasps> Fuck. I mean, that is serious mm-hmm. shit. So he was transferred to Gartree to serve the rest of his sentence in isolation. He did spend 10 days in nearby Leicester prison, but soon he was ready for release. So I'm sure it's not really a surprise to anyone. He didn't exactly go straight when he came out. So bearing in mind everything that's happened, obviously he's had all these extra time tacked on at the end of his sentence. He was initially only, not only, but he was only sentenced for armed robbery of like 300 quid. Obviously at the time it was like 26 he hadn't killed anybody. And that was a seven-year sentence. Yeah. He would have probably served less for good behaviour. As if, but yeah. if he had... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he could have just, like, mm-hmm. got his head down and been out in exactly. some three or four years. Instead, he's there till, you know, the 80s. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, so he got he gets out. And he went and stayed with his parents for a few days in Aberystwyth. And then he took a train to London and decided he was going to continue his illegal bare-knuckle boxing career. Because he was told he'd be a good boxer and wanted to do that. And he enjoyed fighting, so why not? When he got off the train, now I don't really know how he did this, what he would have done, but he bought a water pistol and then it said that he modified it. And I can't find anywhere what he did to modify it to then intimidate someone into driving him into Luton. Maybe he just modified it to make it black, spray yeah, it black or something. Because so. if you're not really looking at it and mm-hmm. it's just pointed at you, yeah. you're just going to see something that looks exactly. a bit like a gun and you're going to assume it is. As it's not bright green or something. So, or and he even, was an intimidating guy, so yeah. you're not going to assume that he's carrying a water pistol. Definitely. And something that I did see all the time when I was doing my research on him is his fitness regime was really key to him. He was such a fit guy and he got really big and muscly and he saw himself as like a tough Stop guy. Stop getting excited. But... He would have been really intimidating. He was a big, intimidating-looking guy, and he was really muscly. Really imposing. Really imposing. So on the advice of those friends of his that he'd made in prison, Ronnie and Reggie, he was a key player in the illegal fighting that went on in the East End of London. And this was when he changed his name to Charles Bronson. So he changed it based on, like, the advice of his fight promoter called Paul Edmonds. He basically said it sounded better, and there's the old movie star, the tough guy. So it kind of worked. It wasn't until he was arrested for robbery on the 7th of January 1988, 
on his 69th day of freedom that he decided to give up the name Michael Peterson properly. It was because he got arrested on his morning jog by officers who called him his fight name, so he just decided to stick with it. 69 days of freedom, that's all he managed to achieve before he got picked up again. I'm amazed it was that long, though. Yeah. So... Bedford Prison refused to take Bronson in due to his awful behaviour when he was there before, so he was sent to Leicester Prison, so that's 34. And then 35, he was transferred to Brixton after trying to do another rooftop protest, and he was placed in a top-secure unit of 16 prisoners. So in June 1988, he actually did plead guilty to the charges of armed robbery, and again he was sentenced to seven years. At first, his defence did look quite strong because there were no eyewitnesses willing to testify against Bronson, but his girlfriend, Alison, became the prosecution's main witness and they helped, she really helped the prosecution to win the case. He was taken to Wandsworth before being transferred to Full Sutton, where he continued his naughty boy behaviours. He punched a prisoner, he punched a prison officer, and he threw water on the governor. <laughs> We're up to 38 now because he also spent time in Durham. Was it the water on the governor that it was the water, Yeah, it was the water <laughs> on the governor. I just find that hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it could have been anything. It's also not, you're not allowed to do that. No, but he but could it, have like, in he like could have normal smacked... situation, it wouldn't be that bad. It's no, like water, but... but he could have smacked him in the face, yeah. but he decides to throw the water. Yeah. yeah. So a little bit of an aside here. In Durham, he made friends with some rats that had come into his cell. That's sweet. And then... I can see a Hollywood movie yeah. in the making. You here. knew I'd like that bit. I like it. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few occasions where he does show that he's a real animal lover. He's not a person lover, but he's an animal lover. So Bronson was moved to Long Latin. At first, he again seemed to settle in quite well, but soon he was up to his old tricks. He was running around nude and holding a spear that he made with a broom handle and a broken bottle, and he was trying to encourage people to start a riot. At other places, he punched two prison officers and took the deputy governor hostage. So we're now up to 43 different prisons. And it wasn't just Bronson being naughty. While he was at Parkhurst, he was also stabbed in the back several times by at least two other prisoners. But he refused to speak to the police about it. And actually, this was a bit of a turning point. He kept out of trouble while he recovered from the attack, kept his head down until his release in 1992. So how long do you think he stayed out this time? Last time it was 69 days. 40 days. He actually managed to last a little bit longer. 53 days mm. and this time he was arrested for conspiracy to rob so bronson was remanded in woodhill prison but he was adamant that he was innocent and that his girlfriend kellyanne and her friend carol and her lover had lied to the police apparently that so that they could just get him into trouble and i guess he would have been quite an easy target if you wanted to get someone into trouble and that could have been the case because they probably didn't want him around mm -hmm. and whether, whether or not you believe he was or wasn't telling the truth, the charges of robbery were dismissed on the 9th of February. So the courts actually believed him. I kind of believe him, though. Mm, I think he probably admitted to everything else he was doing. He wasn't hiding it. He was, however, given a £600 fine because he'd broken the man's nose. You might think that this was it for Bronson and he changed his ways, but of course not. Not even three weeks later, he was arrested for conspiracy to rob and for possession of a sawn-off shotgun. Brilliant. Well done, Charles Bronson. So we're at number 45 when he was on remand. And it was here that he took the librarian hostage. Oh, that's hard. I know, he's a civilian I mean, a sweet well. little librarian. Uh, it is not a, like an old lady with curly white hair, if that's what you're thinking. Oh, I was, yeah. Yeah, it's just, but it's a civilian. So yeah, yeah. not a prison guard who perhaps would know how to hold themselves. Um, to negotiate the release of this poor, terrified man, Bronson asked for an inflatable doll, a helicopter and a cup of tea. An inflatable doll as in a sex doll? I don't know. I bet it was. Nowhere's ever said sex doll, but the what other dirty inflatable bastard. doll would you have? I know. He ended up releasing the librarian because he broke wind in front of him and Bronson was disgusted by oh. it. <laughs> so next he went to Bullingdon Prison for his trials. We're at number 46. And during the trial, he pleaded guilty to possessing the shotgun, but not guilty for the conspiracy charges, telling the jury he actually had the gun to blow his head off, not to attack anyone else. He was still found guilty of intent to rob rather than conspiracy to rob, so it's a bit of a lesser charge. But he was still found guilty, and he was given an eight-year sentence at this point. In the next three places, Bronson spent 40 days naked in isolation. He took the deputy governor hostage. He was overpowered by guards and he was moved again. So we are at number 51, his move to the infamous Hannibal Cage in Wakefield. 
Wakefield has been nicknamed the Monster Mansion due to the types of dangerous criminals housed there. For example, this cell had previously been occupied by Robert Maudsley, the man officially classed as Britain's most dangerous prisoner. I don't think I've ever heard of him. Oh, we'll do a case about him then. He's really is he still in, Is he still alive? Is he in prison I think now? He's, I think he's dead now, I believe. Yeah, we but should cover him then. There's some really interesting things about him where some of the stories about him have been taken out of like made to seem a bit more sensational than what they actually Because I do were. wonder that with Charles Bronson. You do wonder what gets reported in the press. Mm-hmm. Is that a true representation of him or is it yeah. for the audience out there, the appetite they have? A lot of the things that I've read and that I've used in this case are from letters that Bronson actually wrote himself where he discussed certain things and some of the later things that happen, it's caught on body cam. Oh, okay, yeah, and stuff. yeah. So I think with Bronson it is true. Yeah, and doesn't surprise me. I think the fact that he's been moved so many times makes the the point that it probably is all yeah, quite true. Yeah, this is a seriously violent guy. Yeah, I do also think, however, that sometimes people must have rubbed him up the wrong way and tried to goad him a little bit as well because you'd want to see how far you could push him. Also, you know, he's the sort of guy that when he comes on the wing, he's automatically top dog. Yeah. So if you can get one over on him, oh, if you yeah. can beat him up, then you're going to be ruling the mm-hmm. wing. So everyone's going to want to have they a go. want to have a try, but... Nobody ever succeeded. Well, I suppose a couple of people did stab him in the back. But True. Do you reckon you'd be top dog if you went to prison? Oh my God, I would be such the little bottom bitch of the whole <laughs> prison. I am such a pussy. <laughs> I think I'd be the one helping the prisoners to learn to read and write. Oh, that's nice. That's For nice fear that they'd beat me up yeah, otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I'd try and like, make friends with people. I think yeah. I'd try and make friends with like the bad people. And then get them to like me so that then they could protect me. It's a good strategy. Mm. Mick Philpot was moved to a similar cell too. Mick Philpot. I'm surprised at that. Well, yeah, I mean, he, when I was reading about him, it was more for his own safety. Right, I get that. And he was really, really paranoid because obviously, not only was he a child killer, but he killed his own children. Yeah. So, and he's really, really unpopular in prison. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I didn't it? think he was. I mean, obviously, he killed his entire family, his children, but I didn't think he was violent per se. No, I don't think he so is. So no, I think, I think it's he's more a bit of a person. Like say, yeah. Although I don't know because he always tried to be the hard man, didn't he, and all the stuff before the fire and everything. Bronson's cell is one you might have seen pictures of or heard about before. It is about five and a half meters by four and a half meters, and it's kind of like two cells. Inside, the only furnishings are a table and chair, which are made out of compressed cardboard, and then the toilet and the sink are bolted to the floor, and the bed is a concrete slab. It's got large bulletproof windows through which inmates can be seen and the solid steel door opens into a small cage within the cell which is encased in thick perspex. Bloody hell, I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, so you can see what they're doing at any second. But also when the guards go to take the food in and stuff, they step through into this bit and then they put things through a slot so it's even more secure for the guards as well. I mean, that's more secure than if you were feeding a crocodile at a zoo. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? It's like... Yeah, no, it definitely is. Yeah, yeah. that's how dangerous mm-hmm. he is. So it was here that Bronson continued with his art, and he decided to concentrate on cartooning again, but his behaviour continued to be bad, and this is where my counting hit a snag. He was moved on an almost weekly basis. At one point, the governor of High Down Prison felt safe enough to visit Bronson on his own. What an idiot. He told prison officers, he's okay with me. But Bronson attacked him, so he got moved again. And while he was in Lincoln Prison, his behaviour did improve, and he was actually allowed back onto normal prison wings for a time. And this was something I found quite interesting, and it was similar to how he loved animals and that he was good with children, because he was spending time with children who had Down syndrome, and actually the interactions calmed him down, and he was allowed to go back onto normal prison wings since that time that he was spending time with them. What? What? Fucking person puts their Down syndrome child <laughs> in the hands of Charles fucking Bronson. I don't think it was like they put them in the cell with him or anything. He was in like a a group. I guess, yeah, like group and heavily supervised. I heavily thought, supervised. Yeah. Possibly not even face to face, like able to touch other people. Maybe they were separated by doors or something. I'm not sure. But from what I've heard, that really did sort of calm him down and changed him. So I think maybe having some empathy for other people and being able to do something for people was good. Mm. But don't get too excited because he returned late, 30 minutes late, from a 30-minute activity. So he literally wasted a load of time. And he was put into an isolation. Um, in 2014, 
Bronson smothered himself in Lurpak to make himself all slippery and hard to catch. That's such a good idea. he started a riot over a football match. So he attacked at least a dozen guards in full riot gear. And actually, he broke a few of his ribs in the process. It was because he was watching the FA Cup final between Arsenal and Hull. And he was really angry that Arsenal won. And I'm not sure what prison this was in. But he's basically said that he saw a vision of Ronnie Cray telling him to let the guards have it before he started his attack. So a quote from him in a letter he sent when he was like 61 at this point, he was like, I've had another rumble, this time with a dozen riot mob on the yard. Obviously I had my reasons and I'd sooner swallow teeth than my pride. Sadly, I came off worst. I got smashed up ribs. I got Lurpak and spread it on thick. Then a small cloud appeared. I swear I see Rum's face. It was eerie. Go on, son, let him have it. So he's clearly not mentally all there is he well no but then he's really manipulative so if he's got like the governor's trust so that Mm -hmm. he can see him on his own and then he abuses that trust by holding him hostage or whatever maybe maybe this is just bullshit it's like a double bluff he's saying i saw this vision that's why i did it Mm. i just don't know he's just so fucked up yeah i think that he did see the vision and then he just went let's get some lurpak smothered himself in lurpak he's got to be psychotic yeah he's got to be so yeah he probably did see that Mm. And then he took a doctor hostage, so he got moved again. And then the next major thing that he did was, it was in response to another prisoner who was an Iraqi man who bumped into him in the canteen and didn't say sorry. Which I guess in like prison, that must be like a really big thing. And that pisses me off in the supermarket. Yeah, exactly. Like I get annoyed by that anyway. Would you take someone hostage for that? Might do next time. I think I will too. Yeah, Yeah. let's do that. Um, So Bronson was so offended by this that he actually planned for ages. He planned for days and he worked out what he was going to do to get his revenge. So he took two Iraqi hijackers along with another inmate called Jason hostage in his cell. And he told them that if there was any funny business, he was going to snap necks. So he's got some good threats behind Mm. him. He's actually said, from what I've read as well, he actually said that he was losing it at this point. He was ranting about his dad who died recently. And from what I've seen as well, that did affect him quite a lot. He was incarcerated when his dad died and it did really affect him and his mental health. He kept singing and laughing manically and he made the three hostages tickle his feet and call him general. What the fuck? I mean, I don't like my feet being touched, so that would freak me out. But clearly, he enjoyed that. God, what a weirdo. I know. His demands had increased since the days of sex dolls. So this time, he wanted a plane to take him to Libya, two Uzi submachine guns. Why did he want to go to fucking Libya? I don't know. 5,000 rounds of ammunition and an axe. He actually felt so guilty after he hit one of the hostages with a metal tray that he insisted that that hostage hit him four times on the head so they'd be even. So even though he's, like, doing all this, he's still quite fair. (laughs) That's just weird. So he was like, oh, if you hit me, we'll call it quits. So he released the guy called um, Jason Greasley, got rid of him, but not the Iraqi two hostages. And he started chanting, I want ice cream, before he began slashing himself with a safety razor. He finally agreed that he would release the hostages and just walk back to the segregation unit. Another seven years were added to his sentence, although this was reduced to five after a successful appeal. What's the point? He's <laughs> going to be there forever anyway. In 1996, Bronson had a visit from a lawyer who wasn't his regular one. Guess what he did to him? Took him hostage. Correct. For half an hour. This guy didn't press charges. I don't know why. I mean, come but... on, half an hour though. That's... Yeah. I've been held hostage by people that long. Stop talking about your supposed friends who aren't friends. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's quite fair of the lawyer guy not to press charges because he kind of knew what he was getting himself into. And what's the point? What is the point? Yeah, exactly. Charles Bronson's going to do something far worse Mm -hmm. soon enough that he'll get years added onto his sentence for anyway. Yeah. And in 1999, he took an education worker, which I guess means teacher, but maybe they're not officially teachers. Maybe it was like you, when you're in a prison, you want to help people learn stuff. Yeah, I'd be like a shit teacher. Yeah. Um, So he took him hostage because he criticised his artwork. Now that is mean. No, I think that's fair then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, yeah, I think it's fair to take him hostage because that's that's a nasty thing to do. So during this event, he tore up the prison, he threw refrigerating units around and furniture around. When he pulled the washing machine out of the wall, he was shocked and knocked unconscious. Whoa. So this riot actually lasted for 44 hours. And because of it, he received a discretionary life sentence with a three-year tariff. So... I wonder what that means then, discretionary. 
maybe it means that they can make it a life sentence yeah. at any point in the future if they mm-hmm. deem that appropriate. Which I think they probably would at any given time of all of his occasions. And the one that I was talking about with the Lurpak, that was back. That was then in 2014, so he was still carrying on. Bloody this no. is in 1996, so... So in 1999, a special prison unit was set up at Woodhill for Bronson, Robert Maudsley and Reginald Wilson to reduce the risk that they were posing to staff and other prisoners and keeping them separate. In 2007, two prison staff members at Full Sutton High Security Dispersal Prison in the East Riding of Yorkshire were involved in a control and restraint incident where they actually had to stop Bronson from taking another hostage. It's his signature move, hostage taking. So they wanted to stop him from doing that. And a funny part of this was that he had his glasses broken in the kerfuffle and he received £200 worth of compensation to get him some new glasses. I feel like I read that in the paper a while ago, yeah. What I thought was quite interesting though is it's kind of fair because where he's been in solitary so much and where he's been in isolation, his eyesight is really, really bad because it's all quite dingy. So if he goes out into normal daylight, it really hurts his eyes because he's had so long. That's, yeah, I can So that's can why he wears that. those dark glasses. Ah, so that's okay. That's great the, to know, yeah. yeah. I thought he was just trying to be like, look how cool yeah, I am. Yeah, exactly. You'd think it was because yeah. he's trying to look cool, but actually he's he's pretty fucked from it all. Like, how sad in a way, you know, obviously he mm-hmm. deserves everything he's got, but yeah, I just sort of think for it to have that sort of impact yeah. on you... That's irre- irreparable damage. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? That's one of the things when he, whenever he's tried to ask for release and stuff, it's you've already like ruined my eyesight from this or I've already had this part of my life ruined. So um, in 2001, Bronson was approached by a Muslim woman called Syra who had seen his photo in the papers and decided to write to him. He wrote back and after they got married, he changed his name to Ali Charles Ahmed and converted to Islam. Shortly after, he was visited by two people he believes were government spies, two mysterious men in dark suits. They attempted to try and recruit him to spy on other Muslim prisoners. When he asked them who they were, they said, it's not who we are, it's what we are. So he refused their offer, spat in their faces, and off they went. Now, apparently, they threatened that there would be repercussions. But according to prison officials, this incident never happened. So yeah, but then they from... would. Uh, see, I, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if that mm. was the case, if someone within a government department had made Maybe. that decision and visited him and then there's no record of it because that's the way it works. Ooh, see, I don't you, know. See, I was just thinking he's having a bit of a weird... He probably is, but moment. equally, part of me is kind true. of like that could absolutely be true. And he did actually marry this woman and he did convert, but then when they got divorced, he then changed his name back to Charles Bronson. So luckily I don't have to call him Ali Charles Ahmed because I really struggle over that name. Um, I could go back to calling him Charles Bronson. So he was due for a parole hearing in September 2008, and the parole hearing took place in March 2009, but unsurprisingly, he was refused parole. And he continued to campaign for his release, writing to Prime Minister David Cameron saying, quote, let him live what's left of my life and not be buried in the prison system. But he has still not been released. There have been a few more occasions of Bronson acting up, but it feels like they've kind of worked out the best way to deal with him. In February 2014, he attacked the prison governor in a violent assault in the television room in HMP Woodhill over a dispute that his mail was being withheld, including two letters from his mum. And the governor suffered serious bruising. He was sentenced to an additional two years for this. But actually, the prison did accept that his mail may have been unacceptably processed. So actually, whilst his response to it wasn't correct, actually, he was in the right. Because, you know, obviously, this guy is infamous. He's known throughout the country. Mm-hmm. He's going to go down in criminal history long after he's dead. And there is an appetite in the press for stories about him. Mm-hmm. So his mail would have to be intercepted anyway. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was being kind of sold on mm-hmm. to various newspapers yeah. by corrupt prison officials or even if they're trying to have you know get one over on him so they keep some letters back just to just to fuck him be off a bit of a twat yeah so it was august 2014 when he changed his name to the name that he's currently known as which is charles salvador a recent court case related to him attacking wakefield prison's governor and it saw salvador represent himself in court the judge said to the jury that they should remember he was not a lawyer he didn't mean any disrespect but also praised some of what he did in the court sort of the comments and questions that he made were quite insightful. The trial took four days and Salvador cross-examined witnesses and gave evidence himself. That's amazing. Yeah. He made jokes about witnesses and jurors and the prosecutor. (laughs) 
He chanted the oath and he kissed the Bible when he was sworn in to give evidence. This actually did make people smile and laugh. He just doesn't give a fuck, does he? So he was charged with attempting to cause grievous bodily harm with intent. So basically, Salvador had arranged a meeting with the governor to discuss welfare within the prison system. And he was frustrated that photos of his wedding were being held back. So a bit, you know, when Steph was saying about the fact that his wedding suit and the, yeah. his wife's dress. Yeah. So this was a woman that he was going to marry. She was off Coronation Street. Um, there's loads of stuff about their, their wedding, but it's not true crime. So I'm not going to go into it. But basically, he had been told that photographs of his prison wedding to Paula Williamson would no longer be allowed to leave the prison until his release. And obviously, he knows and everyone knows he's not going to get released. Mm. In his opinion, the authorities had humiliated a beautiful woman on the greatest day of her life. He felt like it was an insult to his wife. So his plan was to arrange this meeting and then bear hug the governor and whisper in his ear, where's my wife's photos? In what he described as a wake-up call to not mess with his family. I would never let Charles Bronson hug me. Or whisper in your ear. No. I know. And obviously this is a notorious prisoner doing what everyone thought that he would do, a lunge at the governor to try and attack him. So that meant that the guards jumped on Salvador and tried to get him off. So from the body cam footage it is seen that Salvador was not in handcuffs when he was led into the room before starting to dance on his toes and whistle the tune to the movie The Great Escape. You're not setting yourself up well here. And as the door opened, he rushed at the governor, he wrapped his arms around his neck and was heard to shout, you can fuck with me, but you can never fuck with my mother. And I will bite your fucking nose off and gouge your eyes out. The guards have said they believed he was trying to reach the governor's eyes, but luckily he was able to move his face away until the guards overpowered Salvador. But Charles Salvador said he had been tripped or had just tripped, and that's why he fell into the other man. Yeah, right. He said the threats were just the way he spoke. He said the bad language was nasty, and he was pleased that his mum wouldn't see it, but that bite your fucking nose off was a figure of speech in the criminal fraternity. It probably is. He said, quote, When I got chance to see that video, it upset me watching that, and I'm glad my mother has never seen it. There was a lot of nastiness in that video from myself that I cannot justify, really. What you saw in that video is horrible. It's not nice, it's not clever, it's really quite disturbing, but that's been my life for a long, long time. The court heard how the governor suffered swelling to his neck, scratches to his face, and whiplash following the incident, but Salvador dismissed the injuries as minor and said he was embarrassed to even discuss them. He had planned to call three witnesses, but decided not to call on them and just defended himself. So he said, quote, Members of the jury, I'm here, facing the biggest farce probably in prison history. You have heard about the 22 wedding photos. It was her first wedding. We were both in love. I was proud. She was proud. We were refused the 22 wedding photos after it was agreed in a contract that she could have the photos. They went against their word. When I went into that room, there was nothing in my mind whatsoever to attack the governor. I have been a very nasty man in my time. What I was going to do was grab him in a bear hug, a gentle one, not a hard one. Unfortunately, after being who I am, staff, prison officers overreacted, and I can understand why. I never injured him or intended to injure him. It was more of a wake-up call for him, a reality check. He might be the governor, but I have always said, do whatever you want to me, but please don't mess around with my family. The prosecution showed evidence of his previous convictions and reminded the jury that he had form for these nasty attacks that were generally quite unprovoked and they were real high levels of violence. And Salvador admitted that he had been a very nasty man and he described to the jury how in his 44 years of prison he'd held 11 hostages in nine different sieges, including governors, doctors, staff members, lawyers, and that he had caused damage to nine prison roofs. But he explained he'd been making progress. He said he'd even passed a violence reduction course on the prison segregation unit and he told jurors for the first time in his life he was an innocent man. He said, since when is it a crime to hug your fellow man? There is not enough man hugs in this insane world today. (laughs) And the jurors actually did find him not guilty of attempting to cause grievous bodily harm. After deliberating for just short of three hours, they said he was not guilty and he smiled, broke into a little dance and he was on video link at this point so they could see him doing a little Mm. jig and he was like, British justice, best in the world, thank you. I bet they were laughing their heads off. I know, honestly. I think the thing is, is he's in prison now for the rest of his life. He's not going to get out. And that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because if 
you can punish somebody whilst they're in prison by taking privileges away, mm-hmm. solitary confinement, etc. But for someone like him who just doesn't give a shit, it's almost like there's no consequences yeah. now to any of his actions. So why the hell shouldn't he go mm-hmm. off and do what he wants to do? Exactly. I'm not saying he should, but he's thinking, why Why shouldn't I? And I'm going to get away with it. that he did just represent himself. He got a bit of a day out. And that's probably how he looks upon mm-hmm. it. And he said a couple of different things where he was upset that he didn't get to go to the court because he was like, oh, I love the smell of a courtroom and stuff like that. So there's loads more about Charles Bronson as well with um, about the books that he's written and the artwork and stuff. So I'll find some links and share them with you. But I just didn't feel like it was necessarily needed in the podcast. I thought mm. it was more important to look at some of these things that he's done. But yeah, honestly, it's just the only two crimes that he's been convicted of outside of prison where they were quite serious is robbery and then possession of that sawn-off shotgun. And I thought it was something like that. I had a feeling it's been sent down for something not overly serious, yeah. but has spent pretty much his entire life in prison. And if you think of how long he's been in prison and how long he'll continue to be in prison, and he hasn't even killed a single person. Yeah. Whereas there are killers who have been out within less than 10 years, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So, that was really interesting. Yeah, I know a lot more about him now than mm. I did before. So I really hope you'd enjoy the episode. It's a bit different. So different one for our season finale. Um, so in total, he's actually been moved between prisons over 120 different times. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So obviously not 120 different prisons because he went back and forth to a lot of them. But yeah, 120 times. So I, I'm glad I couldn't do that because you'd have to put a lot of L's into this episode. <laughs> we'll see. I might do them, I might not. Yeah, if you don't, it's not the end yeah. of the world. But um, yeah, crazy. God. Well, we hope you enjoyed that case too. And as Bethan said, that is our season finale. We're not away for long though, so we'll be back on the 6th of February Correct, with yeah. a brand new season and a brand new case. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, reach out to us in all the usual ways. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for CM Red, the UK True Crime Podcast. And thank you once again to our wonderful Patreon supporters. If you're not a Patreon supporter but you would like to be, then you can find us at patreon.com forward slash seeing red podcast so have a great two weeks and we'll see you on the 6th of feb see you then bye Hi angels, it's your girl Louise Rumble and I'm the host of the Open House Podcast. Therapy quite literally changed my life and sent me straight into my hot healing girl era. Now each week I share my story, the good, the bad and the downright juicy and chat with some of the world's best therapists, psychologists and wellness experts. From love, sex and dating to attachment styles, nervous system regulation, wellness hacks, hormone balancing and more, nothing is off the table. I've emptied my bank account on therapy and healing so you don't have to. So if you're ready to leave the past in the past and build the future you've always deserved, me and my favourite experts are waiting for you on the Open House podcast. Listen now wherever you stream your podcasts and I cannot wait to meet you.